Haunted UK podcast is recorded and mixed in stereo. Listening through an environment such as stereo speakers or headphones will ensure you get the best experience. Let me quickly tell you about our official podcast sponsor, CDS Print and Design. CDS is a family-run company who offer great prices and great products, such as printed t-shirts, hoodies, canvases, coasters, placemats, stickers, banners, signage, and much, much more. For more information or for a free no-obligation quote, email Colin or Debbie at cdsprintanddesign at gmail.com. You can also find CDS Print and Design on Facebook and Instagram. This is Season 3 of the Haunted UK Podcast, and we're going to be picking up where Season 2 left off. We'll be continuing our journey to tell stories of ghosts, poltergeists, unsolved disappearances, mysterious creatures, haunted locations, UFO encounters, and much more. So without any further delays, let's get started. With the popularity of the missing 411, mysterious disappearances have certainly piqued the interest of millions of people. From children and adults who are happily on holiday in a state park, to experienced hunters and hikers who have knowledge of the terrain, the missing 411 cases prove that anyone, at any time, can fall foul of this strange phenomenon. But disappearances with curious backstories and mind-boggling evidence that doesn't seem to lead anywhere still exist outside of the missing 411 boundaries. And it's one of these stories that we're going to look at in this episode. is episode 2 of season 3 of the Haunted UK podcast, and this time we're going down the rabbit hole that is the strange disappearance of Bryce Laspisa. On the 30th of April 1994, proud parents Karen and Michael Laspisa welcomed their newborn baby boy Bryce into the world. Throughout his early childhood, Bryce was a polite, charming and caring boy who showed an early interest in the arts. In 2012, shortly after Bryce had graduated from Naperville Central High School, 
his mother and father found themselves in the position of being able to take early retirement. There was a lot to think about during this period, and it was at this point in time when they decided to relocate from Springfield, Illinois to California, a distance of around 2,000 miles. After settling in, Bryce decided to major in graphic and industrial design at Sierra College. Although it was another move for Bryce of 465 miles, his freshman year went extremely well. He made friends easily and had an especially close friendship with his roommate Sean Dixon. His grades were also fantastic and he even began dating a fellow student named Kim Sly. Things were going really well for Bryce and even after completing his first year at college, when he got back home to his parents' house for summer break, he enrolled in a local college to take an additional English class in the hope of graduating early. It was in August 2013 that Bryce journeyed back to Sierra College to begin a new term, and his mother and father couldn't have been more proud. Whilst he was with them, he would often comment that he was really looking forward to the new challenges ahead at college, but in reality, Bryce was two different people. His mother and father saw one side of him, while his college friends and girlfriends saw the other, darker side. Initially, everything seemed fine upon his return. He always went to classes. He reconnected with friends, and conversations he had with his mother Karen seemed totally normal. But gradually, small but definite changes began to occur with Bryce. Roommate Sean and girlfriend Kim noticed that Bryce would seem regularly withdrawn, both in conversation and when they were out socializing. Depression also seemed to have taken a grip of Bryce, and Kim especially felt that Bryce's behavior was beginning to become unhinged and erratic. Sean also noticed that Bryce was drinking hard spirits on a daily basis, something that he never ever used to do. To outsiders, they were watching Bryce Laspisa literally come apart at the seams. As well as his heavy drinking, Kim, Sean and other friends felt that there was something else that could be playing a significant part in Bryce's odd behaviour. And they were right. Bryce admitted to them that he had been taking the drug Lisdexafetamine, which is used to treat ADHD. He told them both that he had been taking the drug to help him stay awake for long periods of time while he played video games, and this alarmed both Kim and Sean as A. Bryce didn't have ADHD, and B. The side effects of the drug could be extremely severe, resulting in bouts of extreme energy, then deep depression and also psychosis. The more Kim and Sean voiced their concerns to Bryce about his drink and drug consumption, the more Bryce became tired of what he felt was constant nagging. On the 27th of August 2013, Bryce sent a text message to Kim officially breaking up with her. He told her that she'd be better off without him and that the relationship was over. He then sent a text to his roommate Sean saying, quote, I love you bro, seriously, you're the best person I've ever met. You saved my soul, end quote. Later that day, the odd behavior continued with Bryce giving Sean his Xbox, as well as also giving away a pair of diamond earrings which had been given to him by his mother Karen. 
Then the day after, on the 28th of August 2013, things took another strange turn. Before we carry on with this episode, I'd just like to tell you about the Haunted UK podcast's Coffee Account. If you love the show and want to help out that little bit more, then get yourself over to Coffee, that's K-O-F-I, and search for the Haunted UK podcast, and for just a subscription of £3 per month, you'll get a shout-out in an episode of the main show, chances to get your hands on free Haunted UK podcast merchandise, and you'll also soon be in line for bonus content bite-size episodes. Getting to a target of at least 30 subscribers is the aim, and I know that with your help, it's easily achievable. And it's literally just the price of buying one coffee per month. If you'd rather not subscribe, then you can simply make a one-off donation. Every little bit helps. So if you want to help the podcast grow to the next level, then pop over to Coffee and make your donation. Coffee. Why not buy us one? Now, let's get back to the episode. Worried by Bryce's now constant, strange, unpredictable and erratic behaviour, Sean Dixon decided to try and take matters into his own hands and contact Bryce's mother to voice his concerns for his friend's well-being. Karen took the phone call from Sean and was immediately shocked by what she was being told. It was now around 11pm and Sean had arrived at Kim's apartment to see her, but it's not really known his reason for showing up as the day before he had broken up with her and had no plans to rekindle the relationship. During the conversation that took place between them, Kim expressed her growing concerns with Bryce's excessive drink and drug habits and also his huge downward shift in personality. But she was amazed by his dismissive and relaxed demeanour regarding these issues, which left her realising that he must be completely unaware that he had problems. She was so concerned that night that she took Bryce's car keys from him and refused to give them back, claiming that she felt he wasn't in any fit state to drive himself back to the apartment he shared with Sean. At some point, Bryce called his mother and told her the situation and persuaded her to talk to Kim to get her to return his keys so that he could eventually leave. His mother, whilst technically agreeing with Kim, asked her to give him the keys back and then asked Kim to return the phone to Bryce. Karen then asked Bryce to go straight home and get some rest and then offered to catch the next available flight so that she could see him and make sure that he was okay but Bryce refused. He told her that he would call her the very next day as, quote, I have a lot to talk to you about, end quote. Even with Kim still not happy with Bryce driving home, he left her apartment at around 11.30 p.m. At around 1 a.m., Bryce called his mother and she was under the impression that he was back at his apartment, but in fact, he was an hour's drive away south of his home. We're now on the 29th of August 2013, and at approximately 11am, Bryce's parents, Karen and Michael, received an automated message from their roadside insurance service, stating that assistance had been requested for a vehicle which they owned. Both of them, still keeping calm, decided to call Sean and Bryce's apartment to make sure that he was okay, and to ask what had gone wrong with the car. 
Sean answered the phone and informed them that Bryce hadn't come home last night and he had no idea where he was. Karen then called her son's mobile phone, but he didn't answer. After some digging with the help of their insurance company, Karen and Michael managed to find the name of the garage that went out to help Bryce. An employee from Castro Tire and Gas named Christian told them both that Bryce had run out of fuel at around 9am that morning and he had gone out with three gallons to get the car going again. After Christian was happy that the car was okay to carry on its journey, he left Bryce and went back to the garage. What came as a huge surprise to Karen and Michael though was the fact that the garage was over 300 miles away from Kim's apartment in a small town called Button Willow. So where was Bryce going and why hadn't he told anyone? In a desperate plea to Christian, Karen and Michael asked him if he would go back out to Bryce's last location to see if he was still there. Christian agreed to do so and made his way back to the spot where he had encountered Bryce hours before. And to his utter astonishment, Bryce was still there, sat in his car, hours after Christian had left him. Christian and Bryce spoke briefly, with Christian telling him that he'd had a call from his mother who was very worried about him. He then phoned Karen, told her that he was with Bryce, and then handed the phone over to him so he could speak to her directly. Karen told Bryce how concerned both her and his father were and asked why he was so far away from not only Kim's apartment, but also the home that he shared with Sean, which was where he was supposed to have gone to after their last conversation. Bryce skipped around the question and didn't answer it. Karen and Michael knew there was something badly wrong now and told Bryce that he was only around three hours drive away from their home. He should drive straight away, straight to them, and they would talk about what was going on when he got there. As Christian left Bryce, he noted that it was around 3 p.m. that afternoon, which left Bryce plenty of time, in daylight, to get to his parents' house but 10 hours later, and there was still no sign of him. Multiple attempts to contact him via his mobile phone proved fruitless, as he simply wasn't answering. By now, Karen and Michael were thinking that Bryce must have had some sort of car accident, so they decided to contact law enforcement and file a missing persons report in the hope that they could find him. The first action that the police took was to get in touch with Bryce's mobile phone network provider and get them to ping his phone so that they could get a rough location of where he was. After they had this information, they sent out two officers from the Kern County Sheriff's Department to try and track Bryce down. As before with Christian, the police were surprised but confused to see Bryce in roughly the same area where Christian had left him hours earlier. They noted that he was calm and appeared friendly and helpful, but asked him to step out of his vehicle so that they could get him to take a few sobriety tests, just to make sure that he wasn't under the influence. He passed easily, and even freely let the officers search the car for alcohol, drugs and weapons, which they did. They found nothing. The police relayed to him that his parents were going out of their minds with worry and that he should make his way home as soon as possible, but to call them now and to let them know that the police were with him and he was fine and he would be on his way very shortly. 
but he didn't seem like he wanted to make the call and avoided doing so. So instead, one of the officers took his phone and made the call for him. When Karen answered the phone, the police officer assured her that Bryce was fine and that he would make sure that he headed off as soon as they were finished. He then handed the phone over to Bryce, but again, he tried to avoid speaking to his mother, but this time, he had no choice. Karen told him in no uncertain terms to get home as soon as possible, and they would expect him in just a few short hours. The police left, confident that Bryce would leave shortly and begin his journey. But he didn't. Before we carry on, here's a promo for a fantastic podcast called The Activity Continues. There's some crazy going on out here. Hello. Hello. This is Amy. And this is Megan. And this is the Activity Continues podcast. Each week, we dissect an episode of the TV show, The Dead Files. Like sort of was in a trance-like state, woke up, came to, and was spinning a knife. And oh she- my God. <laughs> we also talk about other TV shows, movies, and podcasts, paranormal and otherwise. Really good um, yep. podcast. I really like them. They... They're really fun, and they do a really good job of covering their cases. They do lots of research, so... Yep, yep. We've both had paranormal experiences through our lives and continue to do so. So we talk about those things, too. So I have to tell you about... I had this weird thing happen that was like... I call it like a glitch in the Matrix. You have a lot of Matrix glitches. I do have. I do. And we also share listener paranormal stories. But that was my experience at Villisca. Join us as we talk about true crime, paranormal, and other creepy shit. Mix up a cocktail. Or a mocktail. Don't worry, Steve's driving. Sometimes that wine cream just hits the spot. I know. Sometimes it does. (laughs) Hop in the caddy and join us for a wild ride when the the activity activity continues. I got pretty excited. (laughs) (laughs) Call to arms. Form our cult. Yeah. <laughs> we'll gossip and drink and talk about ghosts. <laughs> I'm in. Now, it's back to the show. Again, hours passed by, and it was around this time that Christian was passing through the area on his way home. He couldn't believe that Bryce was still sat in his car after he'd told his mother that he was on his way to their house. He pulled over and immediately called Karen to tell her that he still hadn't left. He also told her that he would follow him to make sure that he got onto Interstate 5, and then he'd call her back. Bryce was shocked to see Christian again, so pulled away and drove to a petrol station to buy a drink, knowing that Christian was following him. At the petrol station, he approached Christian and assured him that he would now begin driving home but Christian still followed him just to make sure. Bryce got onto Interstate 5 and Christian continued to follow him for around 10 minutes. He didn't see anything out of the ordinary with Bryce's driving, so he called Karen and Michael again and told them that he'd been on Interstate 5 following Bryce and he was definitely heading in the direction of their home. Relief washed over both Karen and Michael and they thanked Christian for his kindness and concern. 
they were fully expecting to see their son in a matter of a few hours, but Bryce's odd behavior continued when at around 1.50 a.m., he called his mother to tell her that he'd taken an alternative route and he was following his satnav, which estimated his arrival at their house to be at around 3.25 a.m. Although Karen was concerned by his sudden change of route, she was still under the impression that he would arrive shortly. Bryce then called again just 20 minutes later, making the excuse that he was too tired to drive the rest of the distance in the early hours and he was going to get some sleep. With nothing else that Karen or Michael could do, they despondently agreed with him that he should sleep and complete the journey later in the morning. They then went to bed, fully expecting to see or hear Bryce at their home when they woke up. But that phone call would be the last contact they would ever have with their son. At around 6.30am that morning, the doorbell of Karen and Michael's home rang out. But instead of seeing Bryce on the drive unloading his car, they were greeted by a police officer from California's Highway Patrol. He informed them that a 2003 silver Toyota Highlander had been found down an embankment near Castaic Lake, around 95 miles away from their home, and Bryce wasn't in the vehicle. A number of strange things were discovered about this final car journey that Bryce had made. First of all, CCTV footage had captured Bryce's car taking a service road up to the lake at around 2.15am. It was then caught on camera again around two hours later, driving in the opposite direction. Under an hour later at approximately 5am, Bryce's car was found by a group of law enforcement officers who were in the area preparing for a training exercise. The embankment the car was found down was around 20 feet deep. From track and impact marks indicated around the crash site, it seemed very likely that the car hit the ground of the embankment front first, then rolled onto its side. It also appeared that the rear window had been shattered from the inside as a means of escape. Investigators proposed that injuries to Bryce must have been minimal as there was hardly any blood found inside the car and none found outside. There were no signs of a struggle, as if, for argument's sake, an attacker had been in the car with him and they had fought. Another odd thing that was discovered was that the accelerator pedal had been fully depressed until the impact, suggesting that this may have either been a deliberate attempt to crash or that Bryce was at speed trying to flee another vehicle chasing him. But neither of these could be proven as A, Bryce wasn't around to ask whether he had crashed on purpose, and B, there were no other tracks on the service road which suggested the possibility of a chase. The other strange thing that immediately caught the attention of the investigators was that all of Bryce's belongings were still inside the car. His mobile phone, his wallet containing cash, bank and credit cards, his laptop and his backpack containing his clothes. Police conducted extensive search efforts with dog teams descending on the area, as well as divers who were called in to dredge and search the lake. Search helicopters were also brought in to help with the effort, but nothing was found. No body was discovered in the lake. No body was discovered on trails in the area. Nothing. It was as if Bryce had simply just disappeared. 
tracking dogs picked up a scent which led them to an area called Government's Cove, and divers were directed to swim through the cove and search the area, but nothing was discovered. Another scent was picked up which took investigators to a nearby bridge which led to a truck stop, and this is where the scent stopped. Whilst jogging in the Castaic Lake area on Monday the 4th of September 2013, a matter of days after Bryce's disappearance, an individual saw what they initially thought was a bushfire. Los Angeles County firefighters attended the fire which had quickly spread to quite a significant area and after they had brought it under control and finally put it out, it was determined that it was a body which had been set ablaze. This media coverage automatically gave Bryce's parents a glimmer of hope of getting some sort of closure and some reasoning about what had happened to their son. The body was very badly burned and it was impossible for police or forensics to determine whether this was male or female, let alone the body of Bryce Laspisa. Before we carry on, here's another great promo for a podcast called Mums, Mysteries and Murder. Hi, I'm Marty. And I'm Effie. And we are the Mums, Mysteries and Murder podcast. Each month we take turns bringing you mysteries and true crime stories from our respective homelands, Australia and Scotland. But be warned, there's no shrimps on the barbie or we jimmies. <laughs> Excellent accent, Marty. No one has shrimps on the barbie in Australia. It's prawns and oh. they don't have prawns on the barbie. Oh. Anyway. Disappointed. You can find us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and join us over on Mums, Mysteries and Murder on Instagram. It's not big or clever, but it is entertaining. Now, it's back to the show. The remains were sent to the Los Angeles County Coroner, who confirmed that it wasn't Bryce. Instead, it was the body of an individual who had been murdered due to the impact of an unpaid debt. This individual had been shot several times, before being dumped and then set on fire. It was another dead end for Karen and Michael, and it wouldn't be the last one. In 2017, a skull was found off the Templin Highway, which was near the area of Bryce's disappearance, but it was also ruled out. So what had happened to Bryce? Suicide is always a viable explanation when dealing with cases such as this one. Had Bryce's increased alcohol and drug consumption sent him spiralling down to a complete mental breakdown, resulting in him killing himself? If so, it didn't happen in the car, and it doesn't seem to have happened in the lake. So did he wander off onto a trail and do it there? Bryce had less than an hour to vanish before the group of law enforcement officers would turn up in the area for the training exercise, yet he was nowhere to be found. Are his remains yet to be discovered somewhere in the area? Who knows? But without those remains, Proving suicide is out of the question. Moving away from suicide, did Bryce feel that his life had become unbearable? Had he turned to alcohol and drugs to take himself away from it all, 
and then decided when he looked at what his life was becoming to get out and start afresh. Leaving all his personal belongings behind in the car does seem to go some way to the possibility of a person who may have wanted to leave everything behind and go away as far as possible and start all over again. But is there any evidence for this at all? Well, what about the scent that the tracker dogs picked up which led to the truck stop? It's not impossible to theorize that Bryce could have flagged down a trucker for a lift and just went wherever he was going. Police officer Detective Martindale, who was the lead investigator on the case, fully believes that this is what could have happened. There were even sightings of someone resembling Bryce's description reported in Oregon just days after the official search was called off. Oregon is around 800 miles away from where Bryce's car was found at Lake Castec, and it's completely plausible to accept that he could have made it up there and may have even moved on further. But, and here's the but, if he was hitchhiking those distances to get away from his life to start again, why didn't anyone who had given him a ride report it to the authorities? Surely news coverage on both television and radio would have raised suspicion to anyone giving Bryce a ride. Again, without any concrete evidence, this theory can only stay just as that, a theory. Going back to the conversation which Bryce had with his mother at Kim's apartment, he specifically said that he had a lot to talk to her about. So what was it that Bryce felt that he had to speak to his mother regarding? His drink and drug habits? Did he want to drop out of school because of pressure? Or was it something else? Had Bryce become involved with the wrong people somehow? His sudden change in behaviour when he came back for the new college term could suggest that something had gone wrong considering that, to his mother and father, he was full of optimism for the forthcoming term. Was he dreading going back to college because of some sort of deal gone bad with someone? Again, this is nothing but speculation and can't be proved either way, but what could have possibly gone wrong in the mind of Bryce Laspisa? At the time of his disappearance, Bryce was around 5 feet 11 inches tall with blue eyes, striking red short hair and weighed around 170 pounds with the distinct tattoo of a Taurus bullhead on his left shoulder. He'd now be 28 years old, as it's nine years since he went missing and no new evidence has surfaced at all. Detectives are still nowhere nearer to discovering what actually happened on the night and the days directly after he went missing. Whilst the case remains open, it's now cold, and as the years pass by, it becomes increasingly unlikely that Bryce will be found. Bryce's parents, Cameron and Michael, do not believe for a second that their son committed suicide, nor do they believe that he would have simply walked away from his life when he had so much to live for and so much to offer. They remain hopeful to this very day that, sometime in the future, they will be reunited with their son and have constantly kept Bryce's name and case in the media by setting up Facebook pages and continuing to give interviews whenever they have the opportunity. Bryce's mother summed up every parent's worst fear when she said, quote, I'll never give up hope. But it's really difficult. It's gut-wrenching. Every day, not knowing. 
it's a living nightmare. End quote. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Bryce Laspisa, please contact the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department on 611-255-1121. Even though this podcast is based in England, the more exposure that cases like this can get, then maybe, just maybe, they can make a difference. Well, we've come to the end of this episode of the Haunted UK podcast. But before I go, I'd like to give a few shout-outs. And the first one is to all of you, the listeners. Thank you so much for following, subscribing and listening. None of this would be possible without all of you. The show is available on all major platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts and Radio Public. Wherever possible, leaving a positive five-star review helps the show in many ways. Listener figures are rising rapidly, and that's all down to you. So, huge thanks to you all. Another shout-out goes to the show's sponsor, CDS Print and Design, who have been kind enough to come back for a third season. Huge thanks to both Colin and Debbie. Next up is a request to all you listeners out there again. Have you seen a ghost? Witnessed poltergeist activity? Had a strange, unexplained paranormal experience? Have you ever stayed in a haunted location or experienced something frightening on a ghost tour? Even better, do you live or work in a haunted house or building? Have you encountered or seen a UFO? Heard a story about an unsolved disappearance or mystery? Or have you been lucky enough to witness a strange, unknown creature? If you have, then your story could feature on Season 3's Listener Stories finale episode. Simply type your story up and email it to hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com That's hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com It's easy to do, and if you like, you can remain anonymous. Huge thanks in advance to you all. Besides writing, recording, mixing and mastering this podcast, I also run a mixing and mastering studio called Pink Flamingo Music Productions. If you have a podcast or piece of music that you'd like mixing, mastering or both, or if you'd like a piece of finished music written for a project that you're working on, then please email the studio with details of your inquiry to pinkflamingo.musicproductions.com at hotmail.com That's pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com It's nowhere near as expensive as you'd think. This podcast was recorded at Pink Flamingo Music Production Studio in Hales Owen in the West Midlands, England. For a full list of research sources that helped immensely with the content of this episode, please refer to the show's notes. Thank you all so much again for listening and we'll be back very soon with another episode. Until then, stay safe and take care.